Welcome to Summer Stream Live, a collaboration between KFSK and the Petersburg Public Library. Here we discuss a different topic each week with local experts. At the end of every show, we have a trivia question with a chance to win a $20 gift certificate to Singling Alley Books. So stay tuned and be ready to call 772-3808 for your chance to win today. I'm Kari Peterson from the Petersburg Public Library and on today's show, Rainforest Writers, We'll be talking with Oren Pearson and Lizzie Thompson about Rainforest Writers Group, fostering a literary art community and encouraging creative writing. Oren is a leader of Petersburg Public Library's Rainforest Writers Group. He is a certified instructor of the Amherst Writers and Artists Method. He is currently a graduate student studying creative writing and literary arts at University of Alaska Anchorage while working at KFSK. Lizzie is a longtime member of Rainforest Writers and an avid writer since 1990. She and her husband are owner operators of the fishing tender St. Lazaria, and she is the executive director of the Midkoff Dance Troupe. So, welcome, Oren and Lizzie, to today's conversation. Well, thanks for having us. It's, it's uh, fun to be here. So, um, Oren, as the leader of this, you want to, um, I, I would like to start off by talking about the Amherst writer and artists method. I was fascinated when you told me about this. I knew nothing about it. And I was so excited that this was being pursued. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, um, so this, the AWA is a creative writing workshop method that was developed about 40 years ago by a teacher named Pat Schneider. And she was pulling together some creative writing methods and teaching methods that had been largely developed by Peter Elbo, who's a, a renowned and appreciated writing teacher. And what they did was strive to create a workshop method that was a bit more inviting and supportive to writers of all different levels where they could come together and sort of work in a space that was recognized the fact that each person is in possession of a distinctive voice of their own and that pretty much every person is kind of born with innate creative genius. That's just sort of how the human brain works. And what we need to develop our voice is a space, a workshop writing space that is conducive to risk taking and supported by peers rather than like torn down by a top down uh, instructional method as far as nurturing one's creative voice. So they kind of reimagined um, creative writing instruction and developed a new method that um, they tried out and it worked profoundly well. Pat, Pat delivered her first workshop in this method during her time as a volunteer instructor at a women's prison on the East Coast 40 years ago. And um, the results were profound, beautiful, there, I think there was a documentary made about that early workshop. And um, since then, 
the this method has been adopted by many many teachers i think there are currently about 1100 instructors who've been kind of trained in how to deliver and facilitate workshops that are you know um, consistent with the guidelines of this workshop method um yeah so i, I think i might be the, the only current uh, certified affiliated instructor of this particular workshop method in the state of Alaska, but around the world there, I think our, our numbers are about 1100. Yeah. So, um, and Lizzie, I guess I'm, Lizzie is also a good friend of mine. And a couple of years ago when you had started this group, Lizzie had commented to me and, um, and also another member of your group was so excited and they had both commented the same thing about the, um, the rules for responding within the group to somebody's writing. Um, Lizzie, do you want to talk about that a minute? I'm on mute. I'm on mute. Nope, you're not. Oh, oh, it says I'm on the computer. Um, yeah. The way that we talk about each other's work, because it's all, the way it works is that Oren, who is very, very good at this, gives us a prompt, something to just set our mind off on a tangent. And we're encouraged to just go wherever it takes us. Um, and that's a really beautiful little trick of the brain. It, it kind of kills the editor because there's a timer going and you're just supposed to write and keep your pen moving. And that's how I think personally for me that just is sort of a magic freedom that happens. And then since we've just written this work, we haven't even read it ourselves yet. Sometimes when you read it back, it's surprising what you just wrote. Um, the only really appropriate feedback is what's good in the piece, what struck the listener. Um, and we, we treat every piece as fiction because and this was sort of, sort of a revelation to me in the beginning, it's so obviously true, is that even if the narrator uses the word I, I did this, I did that, it doesn't mean it's the writer. That could be a fictional narrator. So we treat everything as fiction. And we just comment on what worked for us, what stood out, what we wanted to hear more of, and where we might like to see it go from there. And Is that I, right, Does that sound right? Yeah, yeah, you know, so the, that's pretty much, that kind of presents the structure. You know, we write to a prompt all together with a timer running, and I, I keep track of the time. And then as soon as we're done, unless, unless the material that's been written is just so scorchingly personal or brutal or something that a person just truly cannot read it, then what, which is fine, you know. Um, but um, yeah, what we do then is we just like bite the bullet and inside the group read out loud the work that was just written. And then everybody in the group goes around and responds to it. And that is such an incredibly important part of what's valuable about the, the writing workshop, in my opinion, um, which is that there's the writing, but there's also the listening. The listening is a profoundly necessary part of this, of the writing group, and um, for for multiple reasons. You know, where, as Lizzie described, 
the writing that's been created is is often very very personal in nature, which is why we treat it as just kind of a work of art. Does, responding to it as though it were a work of fiction, something up on a wall in a museum or something, but not a, not an opportunity or an invitation to cast any form of judgment, good or bad, against the individual who's developing that artwork. But um, more than that, we listen for what we found in the piece to be good, meaningful, long-lasting for us as a listener in the space. And, you know, I don't know how many prompts we've written to so far, hundreds or thousands. And, um, you know, it's, it's literally not possible to not have something truly good and worthwhile produced by a writer in that space responding to a prompt, you know? So it's a challenge sometimes for the listener to push through the negativity bias that we all carry around, you know? I think people are biased toward negative impressions of things, generally. I think that's probably served people well for hundreds of thousands of years or something like that, where, you know, we needed to be hyper alert to the hazards and dangers and pitfalls of the world and warn each other about, look at how bad that is. Look at how terrible that is. You know, um, but in the space of a brand new in development creative work, that's just too easy to do for one, because the work has not been revised, so it is not perfect. But two, it's deeply counterproductive. It, it kind of stomps on the work, stomps on the writer. It's not necessary and it's not helpful, but it is totally normal in most <laughs> most writing teaching situations, unfortunately. And in the mind, like almost all the time, we just have a negativity bias. So in the workshop space, all of us just push harder as listeners. We push ourselves to listen beyond the easy, I would say like lazy, here's my negativity bias flaring up, you know, um, that first layer of listening where we just listen for what's not right. And instead we go through and actually pay attention to ourselves as we're hearing the piece, pay deep, deep attention to the piece for the uh, elements of craft, the details, the moments, the tensions, the character um, developments, the things in the literary art that's being developed that struck us as valuable, necessary, good. And then we just go around and point those things out to a writer who with a brand new draft might very well be blind to what's working best in the piece and just like everybody else, habituated towards a negative first layer of filtering and just seeing the, you know, kind of broken parts. And so if we don't like kind of retrain our minds, we'll just fill our waste bins with crumpled up drafts that are just full of magic and treasures that we ignore because we have bad habits of listening even to our own work. So um, I, I love the listening part of the workshops. And so, um, yeah, I think it's just a very healthy way to change our brains in a way to be more oriented towards listening for what's good rather than just, you know, the easier way, which is complaining, basically. Absolutely. It's a, it's a very positive space and it's astonishing the talent it's it is a joy to listen to these pieces mm. that's so true yeah we 
it's it's amazing. You know, it's endlessly amazing. Every single time there's a round of reading to a prompt, I am thrilled by the creativity that's being expressed. It's it's uh, it's always exciting. And we all write to the same prompts, but everybody writes differently. Every single person has a unique voice. Every yeah. person in the world. It's so cool. So um, I would like to add one little thought to that is um, I think, you know, we all come with different tools, um, social emotional tools and resilience. And um, one thing that I really appreciated about the Amherst method when, after I learned about it, when you were telling me about it was that this idea that, um, we need to um, support marginalized voices as well. And how do we do that? And I think that that response part is a huge, um, a huge piece in supporting those voices to, um, to speak and to, to come up with what is inside of them, um, their own truth, and to be willing to share that. Um, I don't know. That's what struck me about it. So we take a quick break here and then we'll come back to the conversation and talk about some writing that's been done in the program. Great. Sounds good. Okay. If you are just joining us, this is Summer Stream Live, a collaboration between KFSK and the Petersburg Public Library. Here we discuss a different topic each week with local experts. Today we are discussing rainforest writers with Oren Pearson and Lizzie Thompson. At the end of this show, we'll have a trivia question with a chance to win a $20 gift certificate to Singling Alley Books. So stay tuned and be ready to call 772-3808 for your chance to win today. And I'll say that last week we didn't give away the gift certificate. So this week we're going to have two questions and Oren's come up with some great ones. So now back to our discussion. Okay, that's exciting. It's always fun to give away uh, prizes. <laughs> yes. Especially to the bookstore, my favorite store. Yeah. We do love books in the Rainforest Writers Group. <laughs> And we love the library, a, uh, you know, incredible resource for learning and reading in the community. Such a wonderful yeah, I look back to, I look forward to when we get to get back to the Ruth Sandvik room together around the table. Oh, yes. Yeah, that, you know, those, these first few years of the workshop, working together in that meeting room in the library has just, oh my gosh, that hallowed ground for me. For sure. Little Pia magic floating over our heads too. It's really oh yeah, all the artwork in the library, pretty inspir inspirational. So, um, Oren, you have you were telling me, and I know that Lizzie has um, Lizzie has a piece that she is working on getting published, and there have been other. Um, writers in the Rainforest Writer who have been published. Do you want to talk a little bit about that process? Yeah. Um, you know, so the writing that we make in the Rainforest Writers group, part of the part of the guidelines of this workshop method are that the writing is not finished. It's not a finished product. You know, it's a brand new first draft. 
fully the property of the writer, and so we don't we don't really talk about the writing that's produced. Um, you know, it's it's confidential, effectively, the work that's created inside the workshop, um, and that's good. That helps protect the the workspace there, so that it's you know safe and reliable, and we can take creative risks and you know develop develop the work. But you know, when a person writes something in the workshop that they really love, that they can see that it's you know going to be able to be developed into something that like has, you know, has its own, can grow into a full body, uh, then there's lots of opportunities out there for people to share their, you know, their polished writing after the workshop. So we've had, you know, I kind of have lost count really, but um, multiple pieces that are started in the workshop have been revised and developed by the writers sometimes in collaboration with other people in the workshop, we'll like polish a draft, send it around, you know, work it through a couple of stages of revision until we're pretty happy with it, that it can just kind of go out into the world. Like, you know, oftentimes publishing writing, you're sort of, it's like sending your child out into the work world or something like that. You know, you no longer have, any control over how it goes, you know, once it's published in a way. Um, but that's, uh, you know, that's a part of it, though. You know, you make writing largely for readers. So putting the writing in front of a reader is an important final destination as far as the writer's involvement goes. So once a writing, a piece of writing is polished, there's lots of literary journals. That's where, you know, most of the readers of contemporary literature are reading that work through literary journals at the moment, you know, and then um, that publication in literary journals becomes a stepping stone to get, getting the attention of a literary agent and potentially having somebody buy the rights to publish your book or something if you've written a book. Um, so literary journals are an important step for in the journey towards publication in a writer's career. So um, there are many, many wonderful literary journals around the country, in Alaska, and so on. And so, yeah, you know, I, I don't have an encyclopedic knowledge of literary journals, although I do try to go to a conference each year where most of the, the nation's literary journals are present, and you kind of learn what sort of submissions they're looking for, what their submission dates are. And you, tr you try to read literary journals and understand the style that they like to publish so that I can kind of try to help steer the writers inside the group toward um, publications that are, you know, aligned with the style of that writer. And so it's a, it's a slow process. You know, a lot of literary journals receive a lot of submissions nowadays because it's easier than ever to submit to journals, which is a good thing. Really, that just raises the bar, raises the quality all all across the entire kind of global literary community. So, yeah. I've been a recipient of Oren's help in that um, area, and it's it's really just one more um, part of his great generosity in helping his writers. Very encouraging. Oh. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I love to to be helpful that way, you know, and um, it's just so interesting to me to to kind of stir and nurture our our literary community, you know, like we have we have so much robust art in in Petersburg and in Alaska, but especially here locally. I, I love our art scene. I love our art community, and we have a really well established visual art community, I would say, and you know, pretty pretty strong performing arts community. But our literary arts community is growing. You know, it's um, it's been small during my time that I've lived here. I'm sure it's had ups and downs. So I'm just excited about, you know, nurturing and pushing that in what little ways that I can help just because I love that stuff. So um, should we share um, Lizzie's piece of writing that she's working on? I think we could, yeah. In, in our most recent workshop, uh, Lizzie wrote a piece to one of the prompts and this process we're describing is kind of what what she's um, going through there. The the piece really sizzled with magic, and so then um, afterward, there's been some revisions on it, polishing it into a kind of status where I think Lizzie is interested in trying to share it in the world. And so she's currently in the process of sending it out for publication and learning about how that goes. And um, yeah, any any thoughts on how that's going, Lizzie? Um, well, I've submitted several places and haven't heard anything back except for from a woman that I used to take some classes from and she's offered to uh, publish it on uh, in like, a, I, I don't really even understand how this all works yet, but it's on Medium and it seems like it's a magazine within that platform. So, but meanwhile, I'm just waiting another few days to see if I hear back from The Sun magazine. Um, but as far as this piece goes, um, what I liked about this piece is that Oren gave us a one word verbal prompt that sent my head kind of in a negative direction, to be honest. But then along with that one word, he put on a piece of music. And it was so cool the way the music changed the whole experience for me and took my writing in a whole nother much um, much less angry direction. And um, so that the word was airport and the music was from, I believe, Oren, tell me if I, maybe you should tell the music since you'll get it right. Um, yeah, so that particular prompt, we, you know, not all of our prompts have music or whatever. I just try to follow a lot of different aspects for prompts there, but that one particular prompt the prompt was airport, and then as sort of a simultaneous prompt, we listened to a selection of um, a piece of music by Brian Eno from 1973. It was a record called Ambient One Music for Airports, and it's this really, I mean, I love that record. It's possibly my favorite record in my collection, um, and it's uh, it was it's largely credited with it. Um, creating the genre ambient music, which is a good kind of music to uh, have in your toolkit it, it, for writing, in my personal opinion. Um, but yeah, so we listened to a piece of ambient music by Brian Eno and wrote to the prompt airport. Okay. So let's hear, let, I'm going to play this 
now what Lizzie wrote. Okay. Before going to the airport, I take the second anti-anxiety pill I've ever taken in my life. I'm not afraid of flying. I'm afraid of contracting COVID-19 on my way to face the battle against breast cancer. But I've got this pill and its magic is traveling through my veins, fortifying the encouraging words on the Alaska Airlines website, we care about your comfort and safety. I've got my N95 mask and Brene Brown's podcast, The Power of Paradox, downloaded on my phone to help carry me through this journey. There are just six of us boarding in Petersburg, where I know most of the ground crew by name. On board, I settle into my window seat. Across the aisle, another middle-aged woman sits by her window in a homemade mask that matches her blue and green outfit. The rows behind and in front of us are empty. She pulls out her knitting. I relax a little more. A handful of masked humans, we sail south through blue skies over emerald islands toward an almost empty airport. Social distancing takes no effort at all. My footsteps echo down the long and deserted concourse. At the brightly lit rental car facility, all the counters are closed. A sign redirects me to the kiosk in the garage, a metal and glass box with one tiny open window. I stand six feet away from it on a big green sticker, yelling my name through my mask to the blonde young man who processes my reservation. We exchange pleasantries. He seems a gentle soul. He holds one shaking fist firmly against his chest, a still bloody scrape along his white knuckles. Occasionally his face tightens. Are you in pain? I ask. His blue eyes look down, then back up, and I see him decide to trust me. I'm okay. I just suffered some injuries in Afghanistan. I'm always like this. As I'm signing the rental agreement, a middle-aged East Indian man in a thrifty rent-a-car jacket approaches the kiosk. He smiles behind his mask, his eyes crinkled at their edges. Good evening, madam, he says in his beautiful British Indian accent. What brings you to Seattle in these trying times? Breast cancer, actually. His eyes widen. Where are you going to go? Seattle Cancer Care Alliance. But that is my hospital. You are in good hands there. He reaches for my luggage. Let me, madam. We will walk you to your car. Come, Dylan. He gestures as if scooping something towards us. We will take this lady. We walk slowly, six feet apart, three people alone on the vast floor of this parking garage. Dylan battling to control his flailing body. The older gentleman reassuring me that his brain tumor is shrinking that he feels well and optimistic, that I could not be in better hands. When we get to the car, they watch me wipe it down with baby wipes I've soaked in 90% isopropyl alcohol, the best that I can do now that the store shelves are bare of anything that may keep one safe from the coronavirus. After I get into the car to drive away, the two men and I remove our masks and we smile. God bless you, madam, says the man with the brain tumor. I hope you're okay. Stay safe, says the boy who lost his body's steady strength on the far side of our world. I drive through the empty garage with my window down, the cool air of Seattle sweet against my naked face, and think how easy it is to love people. Wow. 
I Thanks for sharing that with us, Lizzie. Gosh. And I have, I wanted to say that um, Lizzie had told me about this interaction, but it was a whole different experience to read this piece of writing. Um, and I felt the piece of writing was so moving and gentle. That's because of Brian Eno. Brian Eno kind of helps on that one. Yeah. Gosh. Well, I'm glad we've been able to share that. Thanks, Lauren. And I wish you luck. I hope that um, the sun picks it up. Thanks. That would be fun. Yes, it would. So do you want to do trivia or? Sure. Yeah. Well, let's give away some gift certificates. Reward people for listening to this program. <laughs> okay. I'm pulling up music. Alrighty. So, Oren, do you want to read the first um, trivia question? Sure, sure, sure. Okay, so, so for this trivia game, we'll read the question, and if you know the answer, you call the radio station, and we'll plug you into the mixing board here. And, uh, yeah, maybe you'll win a gift certificate from the library. Okay, so here's the first question and the phone number, 772-3808. So, in 2012, an Alaskan novelist published a book called Snow Child, which earned worldwide acclaim. It's been translated into 25 languages. It was a finalist for the 2013 Pulitzer Prize for Fiction. And the same author released a second novel in 2016 called To the Bright Edge of the World. So, for a gift certificate, tell us the name of that author, an Alaskan novelist, author of Snow Child and To the Bright Edge of the World. So, call in 772-3803 if you know the name of this novelist. I know it. I know it. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll wait and see if any callers join us here. Oh, it looks like we do have a caller. I'm going to put him in here. Okay, line one. Uh, what do you think? Do you know the answer? Yes, I am reading the second novel of her series, and it's Eowyn Ivy. I think I'm saying her name correctly. You certainly are. So you're, you're reading To the Bright Edge of the World right now? Yes, and I'm just, I'm embarrassed to say that I actually went before, and I went to the to the bookstore and got the first one, The Snow Child, and loved it so much that I got the second one. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> It's kind of serendipitous, or whatever, but thank you. I'm going to enjoy another book. <laughs> okay. I'll call down to send it out and let them know that you are the winner. Okay, thank you guys. All right, thanks for the call. That's that's fun. Oh, yeah, Aaron. Aaron <laughs> Ivy. Yeah. Um, good stuff. I, I do really recommend to the bright edge of the world. That was a really beautiful read. I read that earlier this summer. Yeah, I love that book. And uh, you know it's great to great to read our Alaskan writers. You know, okay. 
So, uh, so that's the first question. Let's do another question, all right? Yeah. So, number to call, 772-3808. We'll get you on the, the trivia show here. Okay, so this kind of relates to several things, Alaskan writers and literary journals. So, writers who are working to build their literary careers in the hope of being published usually turn to literary journals. That's where many of the readers and publishers of contemporary literature go to find brand new work. And Alaska has numerous literary journals. So rainforest writers in the past have been published in some of these journals, including Tidal Echoes, Alaska Women Speak, um, there's Permafrost out of Anchorage, and Cirque, which is a uh, much acclaimed literary journal published in Alaska, but that, that features artists from all, all around the circumpolar region of the world. But perhaps the most prestigious journal in Alaska is called the AQR. It's been recognized as one of the best literary magazines in America. And I was told by one of their staff that at times they receive upwards of 5,000 submissions of writing for each of their biannual editions. So it, it really publishes beautiful, incredibly high quality writing and is very worth reading. So that said, for the question, the trivia question is, what, what does AQR stand for? What's the full name of the AQR? That's the question we're looking for. What is the, what is the name of Alaska's most prestigious literary journal, the AQR? Tell us what that acronym stands for. 772-3808, and you can win a gift certificate. That's this next trivia question. So we'll see if anybody calls in on that one. Oh, I hear the phone ringing. transferring the line in. Here's line one. Hello. Hi, Oren. It's Julie. Hi. So um, I just wanted to say thanks to you, I did get published in Alaska Women Speak. Wow. As part of the Rainforest uh, Writers Group, you've been very encouraging and helped me a lot with my writing, and thanks to you, I did get published. Wow. But not in the AQR, which I believe is the Alaska Quarterly Review. Okay. Not yet, anyway. Not yet, no. Is that it? <laughs> That's it, Alaska oh. Quarterly Review. Okay. Maybe. Well, I just want to thank you and encourage other people who thought about being in a writer's group to uh, sign up when those become available. So, yeah. You know, very that, exciting. Thank you, Julie. That's a good segue. Um, well, the if, next thing, which is one's coming up, right? <laughs> well, we I did um, set up a new workshop that starts this Saturday, kind of thinking that here we were going to have this conversation. It might give people an opportunity to dive in, but as is often the case, within a day of opening up the workshop, it was already full. Um, but I want to let people know how they can be, you know, on the either the waiting list or part of the mailing list. The mailing list is, you know, 
always get the direct announcement each time a new workshop comes up. So the, our, our writing group has a website. It's rainforestwriters.org. And it just kind of gives a little bit of background on the writing method and has a list of the workshops that are available. And very importantly, for those listening right now, it has a contact us section. It's just a little form on there. You fill it, fill your info into the form, just your name and email address pretty much, and send it through the rainforestwriters.org. And that will get you on the mailing list, so you'll be the first to know when new workshops become available. And so if there are people listening who want to try out this writing workshop, that's the way to get on the list. And, you know, sometimes even when a workshop fills, if there's enough interest and demand at that time of year, like oftentimes in the winter, the, the need for writing workshops is greater than the summer. And so we'll often run two simultaneous sessions just to get as many people as possible into the workshop while still you know, keeping the class size quite small because the, the method only works with a limited class size. It doesn't work with a big class. Yes, and did you want to mention that sometimes if you've indicated interest, if there's a chance that you could fill in for somebody if someone's going to be away during part of the sessions? Absolutely. Great point. Yes. Yeah. By getting on the mailing list, expressing interest, oftentimes that's how a person can be a substitute during, you know, this this next session is a three week long session. Oftentimes, we've done longer. Yeah, we've done five week, eight week, ten week sessions. The longer the group writes together, the more you know built the workshop becomes and can be pretty incredible. But the longer the session, the more absences. And so we always draw somebody from the waiting list uh, to fill in those seats. And for new writers or for new participants, that's a great way to kind of sample the workshop with very low commitment, you know. Yeah, I just want to say that it's been life-changing for me to participate in that, and your advice has been brilliant, and the support of the other writers has been wonderful. The way the method works is very encouraging, so I would encourage anybody interested to participate. I'm really glad to hear that. Thank you, Julie. Thank you, Julie. Well, you're welcome. Thank you very much. And I just love this library live. I'm starting to plan my week around it. It's a great program. It's so exciting <laughs> to have it on the air. Yeah. Okay. Thank you very much. Thanks for the call. Bye. Wow. Thank you, Orin and Lizzie, for today's show. This has been wonderful. So much to talk about. And thank you. Both of you. Yeah, thanks, for, thanks for having us on. Yeah. And thank you, Lizzie, for sharing that that piece um, and Oren for taking this on and uh, yeah Oren you're feeling <laughs> a great need uh, that's that's uh, that's how it works you know small town life if there's something you need you know you just you have the opportunity to um, put in some work and try to bring it into the world to meet our own needs and lo and behold we meet the needs of each other yeah. <laughs> on that. I think that's a good place to close. Um, well said. And um, I will say coming up next week on Summer Stream Live, Listen and Learn will be um, we'll be getting a update on Victory Gardens with Christina Sargent and friends. So tune in next week for that. And thank you for joining us today. 
I just, this has been a wonderful conversation. Thanks for hosting it. Yeah. Okay. Talk to you next week. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Leslie. Thank you. Have a great weekend, everyone. You too. Okay. We're leaving it there. Summer stream live. Uh, yeah, fun to fun to share the inside scoop about the Rainforest Writers Workshop group. Thank you, uh, Kari, for putting me on the spot like that. Okay, well, we're going to return to our regularly scheduled programming now. Here's the World Cafe coming your way. An hour of music until 12 noon. Then you'll hear Midday Magazine. That's your local newscast. Followed by PMC Live, a conversation with local medical center officials. Talking about Petersburg Medical Center. And then Chris Lopez is your host for Street Beat at 1 o'clock. And then we'll have In the Garden after that. Master Gardener Ed Byerski.